welcome back to the European show. This is episode 47 now, and there is a lot of football to, to go through with some dramatic events taking place this past weekend. And to join me in doing so, as always, is Nick. So, welcome back, Nick. Hello, hello. Thank you very much, Jack. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. So, the first place we'll start is the Bundesliga, as it was the last day of the season. And <clears throat> it proved to be very eventful, both on the pitch and off the pitch as well. Uh, so we'll first start with the the area that probably meant the most and, and carried the most weight to it, and that was the relegation places with Bielefeld, Hertha Berlin and Stuttgart all fighting it out. Bielefeld drew 1-1, but because of events elsewhere, that was kind of irrelevant. Um, so we kind of have to look at the, the game simultaneously as it helps to play in together as it was Stuttgart versus Cologne Stuttgart obviously trying to avoid the relegation playoff or Hertha Berlin themselves were just trying to also avoid the relegation playoff and were in a better position um, going into the game and so as obviously the games kicked off at the same time they, these were happening simultaneously 12 minutes in, Stuttgart win a penalty. Sasa Kalajic's penalty is then saved by the Cologne goalie going out for a corner. Then immediately after, Kalajic then scores a header from that resulting corner. So the advantage is then in, in Stuttgart's favour. Then, Dortmund are obviously playing hard to Berlin. For Dortmund, it was a massive farewell game for loads of people. Haaland, Roman Berkey. Axel Witzel, Dan Axel Zagadou, Manu Akanji, as well as Michael Zork, who is who has spent 44 years at Dortmund in some capacity, whether that be as a player or in his role that he has stepped down from, and is one of the most, and he's a legend at Dortmund because he's won the Champions League, he's won the league, he's won it all with Dortmund, and has also been crucial in making Dortmund the club they are today. And they got off to a typical Dortmund start as they gave away a penalty and a stat worth noting is Roman Berkey has actually never saved a penalty for Dortmund in his time there. And that continued today as Hertebun and then scored from, from that penalty, thus meaning advantage was back to them. And then the games went to half-time and then Anthony Badest equalised for Cologne. Obviously Cologne still were kind of chasing the Europa League um, so they had something to play for as well and so d things were looking bleak for Stuttgart then Erling Haaland obviously in his last game at Dortmund equalised from a penalty as well in the 68th minute so but Hertha Berlin was still had the advantage because Stuttgart were drawing then this is where it starts to get interesting Yusuf Makoko who has been lacked game time a lot this season and there's been rumours that he was going to leave. Then scores for Dortmund in the 84th minute. And obviously for Dortmund it doesn't really mean a lot. For Hertha Berlin it's quite big. Because obviously then their fate is in the hands of whoever gets a result in Stuttgart. Um, and obviously that goes across that that's happened in Stuttgart and you hear this massive roar and obviously this team now has this energy and then in the 92nd minute Stuttgart win a corner the corner is played in Sasha or 
Ito, he was on loan and he was scouted from a second division team in Japan. Heads it to the back post where Otaro Endo, who is one Stuttgart's captain and two, one of the smallest people on the pitch, scores a header, a diving header as well, to win it for Stuttgart and save them from relegation completely. And then all chaos just then occurred with players just all jumping on top of each other and stuff obviously they had to regroup and see at the game then they did then there was just a massive pitch invasion Borna Sosa ended up with no none of his clothes or his kit should I say um, parts of the pitch stolen goalposts and everything um, so this is definitely one of the albeit you don't want to be in a relegation playoff in the first place but to get out of it in a dramatic style is obviously kind of peak football really I did think it was hilarious how I didn't think it was hilarious how Stuttgart were celebrating like it, they, they made it seem like an incredible occasion which in fairness the situation of it did make it extremely exciting but you show the scenes to anybody and it looks like they've won a promotion or they've won a big a big title but no <laughs> and it's not even like they, they were like oh they just got promoted this season no they've been uh, for a fair amount of time in the Bundesliga and now they're going crazy about just surviving one more year I think it shows one how much obviously the team means to the people like and and, and two I, I think Stuttgart have been one of the more unluckier teams in the league this season when it comes to injuries and Covid as well they've, they've had to experience a lot with a lot of their good players being out for the majority of the season and they've had to rely on low knees in especially Thiago Thomas who has in a way kind of saved Stuttgart from relegation and uh, Omar Mamouche who came from Wolfsburg they both kind of helped carry Stuttgart to, to the situation they were in and then obviously Endo has helped them cross the line. Um, I, I don't think, obviously, this, it depends on what happens over the summer, that they will be in this same position again. I imagine they will be a lot more comfortable because they've just been so unlucky. And obviously, as you know, when you're missing all these, all your good players, it ultimately affects how you're able to play on the pitch. And we, and we, we still got as well. It, it's, it's a big issue when one of your best players in Sasek Lajic spent quite a lot of the season injured or out with COVID. What that does mean is Hertha Berlin are in the relegation playoff. Who they are playing against is Hamburg. So Hamburg on the sun on the day after were nearly cocked it up for themselves, did the classic Hamburg thing where it was in their hands and they nearly screwed it up as Hans Rostock, who they were playing against, opened the scoring. Um, but they were able to turn it around this time, which is a bit of a difference and they ended up winning 3-2 and that saw them make the relegation playoff and obviously this is interesting um, because you could potentially have three of the biggest teams in Germany back in the league as obviously Werder Bremen and Schalke both got promoted as well so it, it would definitely be interesting to see who will triumph in that relegation playoff which is played on Thursday and then next Monday I'm obviously hoping it's Hamburg because Hertha Berlin just deserve to be condemned for everything they've done but obviously staying on the second division Simon Taroda 
He's once again become the top goal scorer in the league. He this is his fourth time being the top goal scorer in the league. Obviously, he's done it with Stuttgart. He's done it with Cologne. He's done it with Hamburg, and now he's done it with Schalke as well. And so he's kind of just picking up these top goal scorer awards in the second division, but he's unable to transfer this type of form to the first division. So it would definitely be interesting to see where Simon Tarot ends up next season if Schalke keep him or he kind of tries his, tries his trade somewhere else he's in the, the second division. He's the player who specialises in taking teams to the Bundesliga but he himself cannot actually play in the Bundesliga. So, Both Werder Bremen and Schalke have been able to come back first time of asking after quite... It, it was there at times, especially during the season where both looked like they'd they'd cocked it up um, that would have been typical but no they, they've managed to turn it around and ideally you probably think that's what Hertha Berlin need a season where they can actually change their, their strategy and no longer just throw money at random players for no reason at all and it does make Mark Oliver Kempf look like an idiot as he did leave Stuttgart for Hertha Berlin and now he's potentially getting relegated as well Obviously, as mentioned earlier, Bielefeld, they tried their best against Leipzig. They were winning 1-0, but it didn't really mean anything. Uh, But they conceded in the 93rd minute um, to Leipzig. Staying on Leipzig, Nkunku has won player of the season. I think that is, it's a given, really. Obviously, if Lewandowski's form didn't tail off towards the end, we may be having a different story. But I think it's quite hard to match the season of Christopher Nkunku. Because he hasn't just scored the goals, he has provided the assists as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, he's going to absolutely blow up and become become one of those exciting young players um, that we like to talk about a lot on the show and in football in general. And it's obviously worth noting, which could become interesting, is the fact that in, it was it's reported that Nkunku would stay at Leipzig if Leipzig would stay in the or if Leipzig would make it to the Champions League which they have done so it does mean Nkunku could potentially stay but obviously that depends on others um, in the battle for the Champions League Freiburg were unable to capitalise on this um, Leipzig dropping points as they lost to Leverkusen 2-1 it uh, obviously meaning they miss out on the Champions League however I think the fact that a club like Freiburg has made the Europa League is a massive achievement in itself and it's obviously their season still isn't over as they have a chance to win the Pokal they play Leipzig of all teams next Saturday so it's definitely Freiburg have been one of the feel good stories on the pitch well, Wolfsburg played Bayern Munich but and due to too but it's not really what on the pitch that matters. Obviously, we've seen Bayern's form drastically drop off after they beat Dortmund. Obviously, they lost to Mainz. They drew with Stuttgart, and then they also drew with Wolfsburg. However, it's in the light, or at the end of the game, it was revealed that Lewandowski has, does not want to, one, extend his contract at Bayern, and two, he wants to leave the club. And obviously, this is very, very big news because obviously he is 
best striker in the Bundesliga, and now Bayern are losing their best player as well. The, the thing is, what do you think uh, Lewandowski can bring to a team outside of the Bundesliga? Because obviously he's an amazing goal scorer, but, uh, but we, always, well, we almost always see players struggle a bit when they leave um, and switch up, and Lewandowski is quite old already, like really quite old. So his adaptability must have gone down quite quite a bit. And do you think it would be worth it for a big team to sign him? Actually, that's a bit of a stupid question. <laughs> because he's still good. But, um, but, but better said, how long would you, do you think it would take Lewandowski to, to show his worth at whatever club he decides to join? Well, it, it really depends on who he's going to join, doesn't it? Well, obviously, if he joins fucking Elche, but like realistically speaking, he's going to join a big club. Because obviously, he's reported that he joined Barcelona. Um, if Barcelona can afford him, but as you said, he's quite old. I'm not saying he's bad because obviously we've seen what Benzema can do. But I think at Bayern, he's kind of like the main point of attack. You know. He's he, he's a player that had the most chances in the Bundesliga this season, and so wherever he goes, he's probably not going to get that. Um, it's a bit of a kind of the opposite. No, I was going to say kind of the opposite to Haaland, but that's not the case. Um, yeah, he's not going to get as many chances to score as he does in the Bundesliga, obviously, because defending is non-existent. Um, but yeah, I honestly don't know because obviously we've he's done it in the Champions League. We know that he's been one of the top goal scorers in the Champions League. So there's not doubting his quality there. But we've never seen him do it outside of the Bundesliga. Well, a large factor to why he's been so good is because of his connection with uh, Muller. Obviously, one of the the best centre forwards, maybe even the best centre forward of, of our generation, and um, him and Lewandowski work so well together, and they understand each other to perfection. And now he he won't have Müller by his side, I I, I imagine, um, unless something really weird happens in the transfer window. So he'll probably have well have to adapt to to a new system and new teammates, and find someone else that he can that he can play with the way he used to. And obviously. If he was slightly younger, I, I think we wouldn't be questioning this as much because obviously he'll be like in his prime. He's obviously still in his prime, but he's right at the back end of his prime. And so obviously because of his age, it kind of brings up doubts now because it's a lot harder for him to adapt to, to whatever new league um, he may go to. And then it obviously begs the question, who's going to replace him? Because it's going to be very hard for buying to find a replacement as good as him. Obviously they've been linked with the likes of Sadio Mane but the age there just doesn't make that make sense especially due to the fact that you're letting your best striker probably since Gerd Müller in fact since Gerd Müller leave um, because you're not going to pay him what he wants you're not going to attract some 30 year old who is playing for one of the best teams in the world as well. Not, not to mention uh, Sadio Mane isn't really a striker. He won't deliver in the same way. He won't play in the same way as Lewandowski because he is very, very much a left winger. Um, and also, Sadio Mane is amazing, um, but he doesn't quite compare it to, to Lewandowski. Like, they're just not in the same debate. Obviously, now that Haaland um, 
ha- has basically been confirmed as signing for Manchester City. They can't replace him with Haaland. But I think Lautaro Martinez uh, for from Inter might be a good shout. Uh, he's quite young. He has his off days. But, uh, but when he's on form, he's a really, really powerful striker. Um, maybe maybe fishing up Lukaku. He's obviously not at home at, at Chelsea and, and he's still top, top quality. And I think he has some similar similar aspects uh, as Lewandowski. So I think that would also be a really good shout. Who are we thinking of? Simon Terodi, surely. Potentially. Um, but they've been linked with a majority of players. Or a variety, I mean. Such as Lukaku. Um, as well as Sasaka Lajic, which still can't. But I just think it's it's just going to be no matter who you get, no matter how good of a striker you, they are, it's just going to be very hard to replace him, especially because of the quality he's brought to this team over the past seven years. I think longer than that, but anyway. But obviously, this does beg the question. It could, I know we may say this every year, but it could potentially open the door now to a new winner of the Bundesliga. There's obviously. I think it's safe to say that behind the scenes, Bayern are a mess. They, 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 they come and sort out their, their squad planning as well. Obviously, it upsets players um, so much that they've lost David Alaba, they've lost Robert Lewandowski now, but he's not gone yet, and they could potentially lose Serge Gnabry as well. So, because of the way this club likes, they like to do things, and they've also lost Nicolas Sule to your closest rival. And because of the way the people there like to do things, it's now potentially going to hinder them going forward. And we could potentially see a, a new winner next year. Obviously, especially with what Dortmund have been doing, and it, depending on the fact of if Leipzig can keep in Gunku as well. And we've also seen how Dortmund or Bayern Munich have performed over these past few, three games. And the fact that they played close to their strongest team possible and they've still struggled I think just kind of shows what's impending at Bayern I mean yes I think it's possible but um, the only real rivals they have are Dortmund Leipzig have their good seasons but they're not consistent and I, Dortmund have the same problem but obviously like you said they've, they've been very heavily strengthening their squad so I think some of their consistencies will be ironed out but, um, but at the end of the day, you have to look past just Lewandowski and, and Sule. They have a midfield that is borderline perfect. And um, and they have some good offense beyond beyond just this insane goal score. You have um, Serge Gnabry and, and Kingsley Coleman, uh, who basically, sometimes one is off his game, but when, but when, that's, the, when, that's, the, the, when that's the case, then the other is usually on his game. Muller has not had a very good season, but uh, but he still is top quality and could very much recover. So I think um, even just a half decent striker would be enough to even just a half decent striker would be enough to cover for Lewandowski and keep uh, Bayern running in this generally quite uncompetitive league for top spot. Um, so it definitely will be interesting to see how this all transpires over the coming weeks and months. Um, Wolfsburg proceeded to sack their coach Florian Kofeld after a tragic season really 
he obviously took over from terrible managing in Mark van Bommel and was not able to turn the team around whatsoever <laughs> and they just continued to be kind of stagnant really and yeah obviously we're going to be seeing another merry-go-round of coaches um, not to the same extent as last season but it's begun and it, it it's healing it and the, the, another one bites the dust as well as Borussia Mönchengladbach beat Hoffenheim 5-1 and then sacked manager Adi Hütter after and obviously a similar story but for longer Adi Hütter's time at Gladbach was kind of underwhelming there were not really any the standout moment was obviously them beating Bayern 5-0 back in October in the Pokal only to throw that all away and lose to Hanover in the next round. Obviously they've been thumped in the league 6-0 by both Dortmund and Freiburg. They've just been, and they lost the Derby two times as well. It's been, they finished 10th, which you may think, oh, that's kind of reasonable. It hasn't been, they've been shit for the whole year. So obviously it begs to think Gladbach are gonna be experiencing a massive rebuild this summer. What direction are they going to be going in? And finally, with Germany, we obviously have the Europa League final. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt up against Rangers. What obviously makes this final interesting is the fact that Frankfurt have beaten the likes of Barcelona and West Ham, which you would think, oh, that makes them favourites. But Rangers have beaten both Dortmund and Leipzig, who both finished above Frankfurt. So it kind of makes you think who could potentially come out on top of it. Have, at the end of the day still beaten the more difficult teams because well I mean I could use the excuse of inconsistency for Dortmund but that also applies to Barcelona but also uh, they've been very convincing in their victories uh, they, they basically swept Barcelona granted in, in the last game um, they only won by a goal but that's because a combination of sketchy refereeing shall we say and um and an excess of added time but until that point they were destroying barcelona 3-0 meanwhile rangers have been a bit more marginal and and, and yet overall i think they they have less european practice i think uh in the, well less practice for europe because as, as much as we like to say the Bayern, the as much as we like to say that the bundesliga is a farmers league it still has a good level it still has a competitive level meanwhile the Scottish League is very much below. So Rangers don't really get that weekend week out practice against against quality teams. And and it is very respectable that they've managed to completely leave some absolute giants along the way. But um but Frankfurt will be going into the game with better form, I believe. However, having said that, I would personally prefer Rangers to win, because I think it'd be kind of cool to have a Scottish European champion for the first time in a long, long time. So I, I would be very, very down for surprise. Score. Oh, that's so difficult. I think it's going to be 3-1 Frankfurt. Obviously, Frankfurt have, have been very good in the Europa League and terrible in the league. Obviously, at the, at the weekend just gone, they did play their full-strength team, which will most likely play in this game. Um, but it is worth noting that they are without their best defender, in Marvin Hinteregger, um, who has been out, or who got injured, in fact, in the last game against West Ham, 
and he most likely miss the the he will miss the final and then obviously there's the likes of Jesper Lindstrom and Evan Indica who could potentially who may he most likely be fit I think they will play a big part into how into what happens with Frankfurt but ultimately it depends for Frankfurt how Philip Kostic is and Daichi Kamada on the day because if they're playing terribly then Frankfurt aren't going to win but as you said the quality of the league you could you could question the type of practice they get they get uh, if I'm going to do a score prediction I think it's a, it's a European final and European finals tend to be quite boring because the teams just defend all the time so I imagine it's probably going to be 1-0 to Frankfurt and I imagine it, the goal will probably come from Kamada well, I mean, European finals, so sorry, Europa League finals, you should kind of make an exception to that rule, to be fair. Okay, 2-0, two 2-0 no, two no Frankfurt. So basically, we've, we've both gone for a 2-0 two, two Frankfurt win. Um, so now we're going to have a break, and then we'll be back with the rest. Welcome back from our from our break. We'll now look at um, Serie A. Obviously, the, the title race is going down to the final day. Um, Milan did beat Atalanta 2-0, um, where Teo Hernandez proceeded to score a, Dramatic. An, an early contender for Puskas. Full length of the pitch. He runs the full length of the pitch to score um, against Atalanta. And... Because of results, because of Inter beating Cagliari, it does mean Milan hold their 2-0 lead, but it does go to the final game of the season. And this will be very interesting, how this all pans out, because obviously Italy is known to be quite dramatic when it comes to final days of the seasons, especially in the early 2000s so we may potentially see a rerun of that in next weekend which I definitely think will be very interesting but it is good to see that obviously Ju Juventus Monopoly is finally over on Juventus um, Pali Dybala is, is officially leaving now um, where he goes no one knows um, but obviously it kind of shows the direction Juventus are going in now despite the fact that you could argue Dybala is sometimes um, Juventus' best player. Yeah, I I agree. He's one of those... I mean, obviously, when he began breaking out, um, he was an absolute superstar. Uh, and people thought he was going to be the next big thing. And he didn't quite reach those levels. But like you said, uh, when he's on his game, he is Juventus' best player, creative and energetic and always looking for for solution. Um, when the midfielder and the, and the attack is stuck but, uh, but he also has his slumps quite often and I think that's really what's been stopping him from being a world class player that, um, that sometimes he just loses, loses his touch he loses his motivation I guess or just mentally he isn't there and he's much more sluggish and slow and suddenly the, he, the, the ball gets taken off him easily, comfortably and quickly and he just can't turn around he can't, he can't give three good passes and yeah, I think it's I think it's a big shame, mostly for the emotional aspect, 
uh, that Dybala is leaving uh, Juventus. But I think this gives them a good opportunity to find someone who is more consistent, even if the overall quality is a bit lower. Just having somebody that they they can rely on week in, week out, I think would be a good improvement for Juventus in that position. Giorgio Chiellini has announced he's also leaving Juventus. However, it's unknown whether he's going to go to the MLS or he's going to retire. Um, it's also worth noting that he's retiring from Italian football or from the national team after the game between Italy and Argentina. In Lorenzo Insigne has played his last game at home for Napoli before he leaves to join Toronto. They beat Genoa 3-0 and Insigne backed one of the goals as well. Um, obviously on Salernitana, they are, they are still fighting for their life. Um, they're two points ahead of 18th place and it's, there's, there's potential that they may drop into the relegation zone but we're obviously hoping, fingers crossed, they do not. Finally, in Italy, Roma. They played already relegated Venezia. Venezia took the lead quite early on. And then Roma proceeded to have 46 shots and scored once to draw the game 1-1 with Venezia. So, <laughs> make that what you will, but that is... That is Jose Mourinho ball at its best. So now we will look at La Liga. Yep. Well, in the Liga, there wasn't too much excitement. Uh, most of the positions have already been decided. Um, well, the, the biggest game was probably well. Sorry, the, the biggest game, however, was between Atletico and Sevilla. Um, first of all. As I mentioned in the previous episode, Atleti's never finished below Sevilla while Simeone has been in charge. And um, and, if, and and despite being up to 13 or 17 points behind Sevilla, uh, at some point in the second half of the season, Atleti made a comeback and now they're a point above. And that's the situation before as well. So uh, Sevilla really wanted to break that streak and Atleti wanted to keep it. Um, but a 1-1 draw meant that things stay as they are. In the last game, Sevilla could leapfrog Atleti and, and surprise everybody. But the game itself uh, was pretty much a lot of what we've seen from Atleti. One half, good football. The other, slow, boring and lethargic. Uh, yeah, they just dominated uh, initially. Scored from a corner w with a goal from uh, Jimenez in the 30th minute. Halftime comes along the players get complacent. Uh, Sevilla makes a bunch of substitutions. Uh, and and then the game completely changes its dynamic and direction and end the series equalizes in the 85th minute um, there was a lot of strange refereeing decisions nothing incredibly controversial but it was just weird yellow cards to both sides um, and th there was this interesting one where um, where Bono jumps up to to, to grab a ball and he trips over Diego Carlos and Felipe was like nowhere near the situation but it was given as a foul to Atleti because because of the ref's perspective he thought Felipe had been the one to cause the foul and that just kind of shows the level of refereeing in the in La Liga it's just rubbish it, it is actual rubbish but um, but yes uh, with this uh, it didn't really count for much other than yeah pride and Sevilla, Atleti managed to keep their, their streak so far. 
of finishing above Sevilla. We'll have to see what happens in the last day. The second biggest game between Cadiz and Real Madrid saw the return of Eden Hazard. Um, despite all the fat jokes, he was actually really quite good. Um, he didn't manage to, to contribute in terms of goals or assists. Um, but he was still he created a lot of danger and his and his dribbles were uh, quite scary for the opposition. Uh, Real Madrid almost lost. Uh, I say this even though they they were dominant. Uh, well, they began with a goal by Mariano, who has almost never stepped on a football pitch this entire season. Of course, the assist came from Rodrigo, um, and then that that set the game off to uh, an early advantage from Real Madrid from the fifth minute onwards. And then Ruben Sobrino equalized in the 37th minute uh, and then Cadiz managed to push Real Madrid back for a bit of the second half um, and this culminated in a in a penalty that Negredo took but it was but, but he missed it from after a save from Lunin um, who has been playing in goal instead of Courtois because I mean rotations rotations are good and I, I, I like that quite a lot from Ancelotti. So yeah, with that, um, Cadiz weren't able to break uh, down Real Madrid completely, and with that, the game finished one-one, and it was a very irrelevant match. Like uh, other other for Real Madrid at least, mm, it does mean that Cadiz fall into the relegation zone. They're even on points with Mallorca, uh, and one point behind Granada. So pretty much anything could happen. Speaking of relegation, Levante were the second team to be relegated despite having won their game. It was pretty much because both Mallorca and Cadiz picked up a point. Uh, and then because of that, Levante, despite beating uh, Alaves 3-1, they, they still uh, are going down to the second division. And in doing so, they also <laughs> relegated Alaves uh, at the same time. Luis Suarez has been... He's not renewing his contract at Atletico Madrid this season at the end of the season so where does that leave him? Yeah well first of all it was an emotional goodbye um, after leaving the, the Metropolitano for his last home game uh, in stark contrast to the way that he was booted at the back door at Barcelona um, I, I think he really felt a lot from from the appreciation from the fans in the club that was given to him here and but then looking at the future uh, I I did see that he expressed some enthusiasm in the past about the MLS and maybe some teams there, but I think uh, he can still go for maybe another season or two in in Europe uh, before he retires there. Um, I did hear some people saying it would be nice for him to go back to Ajax, and I also think it'd be quite poetic uh, to return there, and that would probably be my favorite destination for him. Um, with with all due respect, he is he has always been one of the best strikers of the uh, of the last ten years, but he has not been very good in the last half a season or so. So I don't think he's really quality enough for a top team anymore. So that's why I think MLS or Ajax uh, would be fine choices for him. Um, I do think that maybe maybe a mid-level team. In the top five league leagues could be uh, all right for him, or maybe for example a reserve striker at Newcastle. Like I think that'd be quite interesting. He gets paid a lot of money, uh, comes on, bangs goals, then then just goes home again. 
so yeah, I think th those are maybe the the best options for him. So now I'll have our goals and break, and then we'll be back with Liga. Welcome back from our goal song break where you just heard the Stuttgart goal song. So Nick, what do you rate it out of the 10? Yeah, it's alright. I think if it doesn't have too much substance to it, to it, but it's energetic and it's fun. So yeah, good 6 out of 10. It's alright. Oh, well, it would have been interesting to say, see if you could actually hear the goal song after the result of the weekend. So now, Liga. Um, PSG beat Montpellier. They've actually won a game since they won the title. Beating Montpellier four 0 Messi actually scored twice. Um, it's nice to know that he's finally turning up, right at the end of the season. Um, but what's interesting is Mbappe won best player in Liga. Um, then it came out that his future will be decided in the next couple of days. Um, obviously, there were three clubs in the running for him: Real Madrid. Him potentially staying at PSG and the outsider was, was Liverpool. Um, but begs the question, is he going to stay at PSG or will he finally leave and join Real Madrid? I, it's so hard to tell. This is, this is a saga that has lasted for so long and taken an uncountable amount of twists and turns. It feels like one month he, he's confirmed going to Real Madrid and the next he's confirmed staying at PSG. Um, I think what, what makes the most sense is that he leaves PSG like he's experienced so much failure with them and then this year once again okay this, they won the league on title but that's not worth it's not worth anything <laughs> the, um, they bottled the Champions League again just another brutal failure in, in European competitions he, he is going to want change and he, he deserves change it doesn't matter how much money they pay him. I think he, he he's really going to want to leave. But then again, I think his main uh, influence and factor that he for staying would be it's France and he's French. So he feels nice and home uh, and comfortable there. Maybe he wants to build a legacy at PSG. I don't know. I personally wouldn't care for that myself. But uh, maybe he feels more, more closely about something like that in a country where he's from. Uh, so I think it's difficult to difficult to guess. Um, obviously, I, I don't really consider Liverpool being in the race. Uh, there's been like whisperings and rumors here and there, but nothing too substantial. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would probably, if I were, were to hazard a guess, I would say he might stay at PSG for another season. That that th th this is based on the whisperings of Fabrizio Romano. I would say that solely as a marketing ploy. The big the the team that's owned by Qatar, keeping probably one of the most marketable players at the club for the season that they're hosting the World Cup. I would I would see that solely as a market marketing ploy, because if you're an Mbappe and you actually want to take the next step. And actually become a good player you can't really do that with PSG obviously 
and, and the prime example of that is Neymar. Obviously, he joined PSG saying he wants to win the Ballon d'Or. He wants to, like, be out of Messi's shadow. He has been nowhere near winning such thing ever since he's joined. So if he wants, if Mbappe wants to be a serious player, he, he has to leave PSG sooner rather than later. And obviously, if he's smart enough, he'll go to Real Madrid. Because there, there he'll be able to achieve... Yeah, that that is indeed true. I also think it'd be it'd be it'd make more sense. But uh, at the end of the day, who knows, man? At the end of the day, we know, and everyone else knows. Money talks. Um, Monaco finished are currently second in Liga. Obviously, they drastically turned their season around um, after starting quite ter- terribly, really, and have now ended up second after the decline of the likes of Marseille. It's definitely interesting to see how they've been able to do such a thing. Um, Sandetian and Bordeaux are both now in the relegation zone. They both look very likely to be getting relegated. And obviously it's a, a bit like what happened with um, with Werder Bremen and Stuttgart. You have two very big teams in the context of France getting relegated. But unlike Schalke and Werder Bremen, it's just because of how terribly they've been run over the past few years and we're finally seeing that all come together and finally we'll end on quite a somber note obviously Union Saint-Gerard lost last week twice to Club Rouge and this weekend Club Rouge won the title as they came from behind to beat Antwerp 3-1 and despite the fact that Union beat Anderlecht it wasn't enough as there's one game of the season left so it's a shame yeah, with the, with this tragic result, it means that Union Saint-Gilois, who have been top of the league for so unbelievably long, choke out on the title because of the stupid, stupid format of the Jupiler Pro League. I think it's so absurd and it makes me incredibly sad, man. It's actually like it would have been such an incredible story if Saint-Gilois won, and they've 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 done a good amount in order to deserve it. But yeah, they just couldn't pull out in, in in the final dying games of the of the season, man. It's so unbelievably sad. Yeah, it obviously begs the the question about playoffs and the fact of do they justify someone who who beat all these teams throughout the whole league, but then are put in this for, small format and aren't able to do it properly? It does question the integrity of, of a winner. Because you could have a team that just coasts around and finishes fourth, ends up in that playoff, and because of the small gap, they just completely yeah, turn it, it It's around. like for a cup competition, you could not be the best team, but have the best performances. Just are out of, or, or not even just win, win four games, even if it's just by luck, and then you end up winning the competition. Meanwhile, a league is meant to test consistency and how well you can do it against a t- teams of all ranges and and throughout the whole season. But then this, but then yeah, like you said, it 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 manages to blend the styles of a league and the cup together to make something that's kind of not really either and has kind of some pretty big problems with it, in my opinion. So yeah, that that's it for today. Um, thank you for listening. Please like us, follow, subscribe, and yeah, we'll be back after the Europa League final. We will see you all after the Europa League final. Mm-hmm.